Hi, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about unicorns in D&D and asking questions like, are they meant to be magical fey representations of ineffable mysteries, or are they meant to be high-level brood attackers, or do they even belong in the world of D&D at all? All that and more today on Wandering DMs. Before we get into that, uh, Dan, let's uh, remind our viewers that, as always, after this show, there will be the After Party Chat, which is a live video chat for an hour uh, with the two of us and uh, any of our other patrons who decide to show up. Um, That's available to all of our patrons across the board. So if you want to join in on that, uh, log into our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms and pledge at any level, and you'll be able to join into the After Chat uh, at the end of the hour. Yeah, we'll both look forward to that. So, you know, coincidentally, uh, Paul and I both just happened to touch upon unicorns in separate conversations this week. So this happened to be on our minds. I will say, I guess there's a National Unicorn Day on April 9th. So I guess we missed that by a little bit. So apologies, everybody, um, for that. Um, how How did this come up for you this week, Paul? Um, interesting. Um, so, um, you know, I was, I was, um, you know, it's the the modern, the modern usage of the word essentially is how it came up for me. Uh, you think a lot of people use unicorn now in a a lot of different contexts, right? Essentially to mean uh, a type of person who's very difficult or unusual or possibly doesn't exist. Right. Like, uh, I don't know, like uh, for hiring a very specific position, you might say it's like a unicorn position. Right. Because uh, <laughs> they don't they, they basically don't exist. Right. Um, so so it was that conversation that just kind of got me spun into into just wondering about unicorn representation in D&D. And I started looking through the various monster manuals and it was uh, surprising. Yeah, and for me, um, we actually have been using them a couple times in our Book of War War game Thursday nights. Uh, so uh, my my current regular opponent for the season, Dan Cullinan, has brought them in twice against me. So I've been I've been fighting squads of unicorns once in a while. <laughs> and when we had our special guest Christian on Thursday, I kind of. I mean, I don't know Christian's tastes in wargaming, so I was kind of broadly guessing he might pick the unicorns and bring them in, and I was wrong. He didn't do that, but I, I, I mentioned that was one of my top guesses that I was trying to counter. So, um, so I've been, I've been, I've been fighting fighting unicorns in the war game, and I have some experience on that end. <laughs> excellent, excellent. excellent. Uh, if, if folks haven't seen that uh, uh, that episode of uh, Book of War with uh, with Christian as the guest opponent. Definitely, uh, definitely worth a viewing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Dan is very happy with his, uh, <laughs> his uh, the outcome of that one. Okay, so uh, so unicorns, uh, kind of weird. And and the, the question I was asking you earlier, Dan, which you said I had to wait until we were on stream. Yeah, I went through. I have a stack of monster manuals here next to me from the original yeah. uh, first 
third, fifth. I'll, I'll open to the unicorn section so I can remind myself what they say. Where else can I find unicorns in D and D? Are there other, are there modules that feature unicorns? Are unicorns? Is there any D and D content that has unicorns in it? There's a there's a surprising. So I did a search this morning, and I think I will probably be sharing your surprise that there's so many. Um, you know, I want to point out this. You know, as before, I get into the module issue, right? In in original D and D. If you look at the monster roster, there's kind of there's like a there's a table that takes up two pay, two digest pages in original DD. And the first page is all the evil chaotic stuff. And you flip to the second page and you have like the good lawful stuff. And the uh the unicorn's the second one in the list. So hmm. on the one hand, you might say, do unicorns really you know belong in DD? But it was among the top things on the creator's mind when you start when they started saying, well, there's gonna be some monsters that aren't entirely evil. And mm -hmm. income minotaurs, I guess you could say, are neutral, and centaurs and unicorns are just the, are the third thing in the in the good list that was created for D anD. d And mm. um, you know, maybe Paul, you could bring up the I, I have the cover of the first edition monster manual. Maybe we could just kind of inspect um, yeah, that and yeah, see yeah, what yeah, was important. Yep. yep, yep. There you go. There's unicorn right there. So it's one of the major things that's featured, right? When with the, the this is the first hardcover book for D and D, of course, right? And mm -hmm. the the things that they felt important to pitch D and D for the first time that you could get it in a bookstore on the shelf was obviously there's a red dragon at the top is the first thing, and if if you read it, you know, normal English style, the second thing you're going to run into with your eye is the unicorn, and then like I said, mm -hmm. there's the centaur, which is the other good thing, and then you've got troll. Owlbear and Roper. So they felt it was sufficiently important as a sales pitch for what D&D &D is about, that it's literally the second thing that your eyeball is going to land on uh, with the first the first hardcover book here. So, I mean, let's let's admit that that is kind of there's some unusual choices there. Roper? Roper? <laughs> a little. Yeah. And I will point out, kind of like we were saying with the D&D movie last week, right? You they kind of give a little bit of extra boost to things that are clearly unique D&D, &D, you know, trademarks, yeah. right? So the owlbear is invented for D&D. &D, the roper is invented for D&D. &D, um, and I think that those, thing those kinds of things tend to get a little bit of an extra boost in profile, I think. So, so as I mentioned, I have I have a stack of, of monster manuals here, including including this one. So I wanted I wanted to look at it, and aha, unicorn is not the second thing, Dan. There is a giant spider in that tree. You see him? Uh, uh, oh crap! Oh crap! Oh my god! I, 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 I'm sure I've noticed that in the past, and I actually did just overlook it. Uh, it's, it's very it yeah. feels very Lovecraftian cover to me of like hidden <laughs> hidden spider in it's, the tree it's fascinating because of course it's it's one of those wraparound pieces of art right, right? So, so there's right. more stuff on the back and i was like oh look at all of us on the back you got a hippogriff and a um um a manticore and i'm guessing a pixie and a purple worm and what are those are those goblins i don't know i think they are yeah the, the little guys on um, the back i'm pretty sure they're goblins. And a carrion crawler maybe at the bottom I never pictured totally. carrying crawlers as green, and that's now, now I'm kind of like being surprised. Okay, sorry, I'm going, I'm digressing on the artwork, but there you go. <laughs> it's a great piece. It's a great piece. So, yeah. on, on your question about like where do they where do they appear in classic D and D adventure? So I did a I did a search of my classic D and D adventure um, uh, archive, and I found 38 references. 
I, fu- I found almost four, really right. I found almost forty That's, references. I now, was not with, expecting with that. Right. Okay. okay. Now let's let's confess. There are only two. Two of the ones are actually set encounters with actual unicorns. Right. Okay. And there's one in uh, module X two Castle Amber that has an mm-hmm. interior forest area, and there isn't there is a unicorn encounter there. And also uh, module EX two Land Beyond the Magic Mirror which of course is Gary Gygax's take on Lewis Carroll stories. Um, and there's a, there's a unicorn there that is a servant of a particular king. And I'll point out that both of these are these kinds of like extra magical, quasi extra dimensional kind of fae environments um, uh, are, the, are the two are, cases where you actually have a, a unicorn in the set adventure. What are the other 36? Are they just like wandering monster charts? Correct. So well, it's a common usage and maybe like a half a dozen or 10 or something like that. Common usage is you have an outdoor area, maybe it's an elven kingdom, and it's one of the mm-hmm. entries on the random encounter charts. And yep. even more common than that is a reference to a unicorn. It could be you're in a castle looking at the tapestries and there's unicorns and tapestries. It could be like a seal on a, a letter or something like that. Commonly, mm-hmm. it's mentioned as, it, it, and probably the single most common reference is as an element of a magical item. There's lots and lots of cases whereby this thing's made out of a unicorn horn, or this thing used the hairs from a beard of a unicorn, or um, there's a place in uh, Module T2, the Temple of Elemental Evil, whereby if you rescue an elven noblewoman, She's going to give you a magic item that gives you sympathy to unicorns. And if you run into unicorns, they're going to help you out for forevermore. Mm. Um, okay. So it's it's funny. The, the majority of times is like this external reference to there's unicorns in the world. And if you run into them, they'll be this or you could you know use them in a magic item or something like that. It tends to be the majority mm-hmm. reference, actually. And only a fairly small number, they actually in the, the main body of the adventure. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, I have one that I came up with that you didn't list there, Dan. Tell me. Huh? Which is, of course, one of the main characters of the D&D cartoon is, of course, Uni, the unicorn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name again? Uni. Uni, uh, right, right, right. Uni. Did we? Yeah. So last week when we covered the, um, the, the, the movie Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, we got, a little bit of, we got a little bit of legitimate criticism, which I totally agree with, that we didn't work in the fact that um, the, the D&D cartoon party makes a little bit of a cameo. Remind me, does, the, does Uni show up on screen in the movie briefly? No, no, she does not. She's um, she does not. Okay. notably missing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. And of course, you, if I, you know, if I lay eyes was. on Bobby, I just assume. Frankly, I just assume Uni's in the in the shot somewhere. Uni's there somewhere. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. No, there was no Uni. Um, you know, Uni has a, a bit of a, a Uni was like a lot of you know sidekick characters in '80s cartoons. Right. Is is seen by modern eyes as being maybe a little obnoxious or or whatever. But. Um, you know, mostly, mostly Uni just got into trouble, right? Uni didn't, Uni didn't talk. She just made this weird noise and generally, for the most part, just got into trouble. I think there was an episode that was all about Uni. And so there's a whole like garden of unicorns or something. Right. Something. I'm, I'm not remembering I remember that. terribly well how, how that, yep. how that episode came out, but yeah. Anyway, yep. There you go. 
you need the unicorn. Good. Um, I, I did actually overlook you. Yeah. Although, although it does uh, conveniently actually uh, underscore one of the, I think one of the few consistent traits you see about unicorns across all the different editions, which is the ability to teleport. Right. Right. Yeah. Which which uni could definitely do in that cartoon. Right. Right. Which is good for a little thing. In the cartoon, a little thing is kind of sort of a victim and defenseless a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, which is which is nice. Um, anyway. What? Uh, so when we think about unicorns like in popular culture, what is what like if we were talking non-D&D, what would be the first thing that comes to your mind, Paul? Like you ran into unicorn unicorns. I'm going to be saying unicorns, um, <laughs> like pre pre D and D popular culture. I mean, frankly, uh, medieval literature is what I would immediately think of, right? You have yep. the classic yep, yep. Uh, unicorn, the maiden tapestry, and um, you know, and then I think of like the representation of how we, how unicorns are depicted in, in, in medieval literature, which is weird. So it's a, it's an yeah. odd choice. Let me let me underscore this. So so you know, you're asking how it came up for me. I was, um, I guess I was having conversations about the use of the word unicorn. Um, uh, and um, we were talking about, um, you know, where, where the unicorn appears in D&D. I was, I was having, having this conversation with my partner, Tanya, and I showed her, um, you know, one of the entries in the monster manual. And she's like, it's a monster? Like that was the immediate point of confusion. Wait, it's a monster? I'm like, right, yeah, right, right. well, I mean, pretty much everything in D D, if it's not a player, is a monster. <laughs> Classified, right? As a if it's not if it's not one of the players, it's a monster. I guess. But yeah, you're right. It's weird. What a weird choice. Uh, you know, and so as a term of art, obviously, monster is this superset. Like, like for what it's worth, like in my uh, in my uh, you know D D simulator. If, if we can talk about the class inheritance hierarchy, right? Monster is basically synonymous with creature. So I've got, for what it's worth, following what I see in the books, I have a monster class. And then if you are a player character, there's a subclass called character for what it's worth. Um, and for example, I have had players in the past dispute, right? Evil wizard casts charm monster on the player character and I've had a player dispute, well, they can't use charm monster on me because I'm not a monster, I'm a player. Um, and had a little little bit of a debate about that, which of course is 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 not not actually how the rule works. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's a common a common thing you kind of have to introduce people to as a as a term of art. Um, so I will say that for me, right, the first time I ever ran into unicorns was when I read um, T.H. White's The Once and Future King at a very young age. And I probably I probably keep rereading this book about every 10 years or so. Um, and, you know, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler to a 90 year old book. Right. Um, uh, the, you know, the first the first novel in, in, in the tetralogy is uh, The Sword and the Stone which is about King Arthur as a young boy learning from Merlin. And it's, it's a fairly published in 1938, right before World War II. And it's a fairly lighthearted romp, more or less. And it is considered one of the top, uh, it was voted one of the top young adult works uh, just a couple of years ago. And it was made into a fun Disney movie. And that's book one. And then book two, which was published in 1939, um, which was originally called The Witch in the Wood, or when it, when it get compiled is the, the Queen of Air and Darkness. 
which is about uh, Queen Margaus and the, the, the Orkney tr- uh, clan with, uh, I'm going to forget all of them, Garwin, Geharis, Agravain, and the other one. Um, is, and that, that book is, is dark. It's, it's dark and it's mean and it's loveless. And um, the, the, the young boys are frankly abused. And what happened, the, the, the core thing which, which stuck, struck me so much is it's basically a horror story about a unicorn is that in order to impress their loveless mother, the boys go out to trap a unicorn for her, um, uh, kidnap a, a young girl uh, to use as bait, uh, trap the unicorn, accidentally kill it, and then haul the carcass back and mangle, since they can't actually pick it up, mangle mm-hmm. the carcass horribly by the time they get home and then get punished for it. And that's, as, as a young person, probably before I turned 10, that's the number one thing that stuck in my mind about unicorns is this horrible horror mm-hmm. story um, in, in uh, book two of The Once and Future King. So, um, yeah, it's, I, it's so... And that's that's very D and D, right? D and D always turns into a goddamn horror story, no matter what you want to do. And that's that's what sticks in my mind about unicorns as well. You know, the, the other the other thing that that jumps into my memory for whatever reason, uh, maybe also due to childhood traumatization, is uh, uh, the movie The Legend, uh, a 1985 movie Legend, yes, starring sure. with Tom Cruise and sure. uh, uh, Tim Curry. Uh, yep. Uh, uh, with a lot of makeup on, um, <laughs> as, as uh, Satan, right, basically. Was, yeah, yeah, and the plot basically revolves around killing unicorns. I believe, yeah, I recall very, right. yeah, yeah, right. It's right. also for very young child me a terrifying movie. Um, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could they cut? Kind of, they, it's very easy. I mean, it, it's 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 an obvious. I mean, it's a frankly a good choice to hold out as. Here's like a magical personification of 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 goodness and purity. I mean, that's that's yeah. the uh, the theme that's been around unicorns since at least medieval times. So at least at least a thousand years ago. And if you if you want to you know narratively show a threat to the world, uh, pick pick that as your target, and uh, people mm-hmm. are going to care about it. I've never gotten over it myself. Hmm. Interesting. So, I don't know how the hell they make it into the D and D monster list and get onto the freaking front cover, the first edition monster manual. I mean, you know, you you have evil monsters, and you—I mean, unicorns are very charismatic. Uh, You know, they—they—they—they—they affect me. Uh, I'm—I'm glad. You know, if if you're going to have if you're going to have fantasy creatures in the game, it seems like you know people. You know, a lot of people love unicorns, so. Um, and and rightfully so. I mean, they've been part of you know world culture since at least uh, three thousand years ago, right? So we have examples of of stamp seals from the Indus Valley civilization, like circa two thousand BC, that has unicorns on them. So it's a very you know it's a very charismatic creature, and you almost you almost can't avoid it. And I can see why that was one of the very first things they thought of when they thought about any non-evil creatures in D&D. Um, maybe we should pull up, maybe we should pull up what they appear like in original D&D and talk about, talk about how they change a little bit. Um, how do they, what they appear? The, the one you, with text, it's kind of blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay. Okay. So, um, 1974, right? This is you yep. know, a little brown book yep. here with their first. And so this is the start. Like I say, this is the start of the second page that has good stuff on it. So you, as for stuff that's like maybe neutral or good, you see monsters, minotaurs, centaurs, unicorns, and below on the page, you've got elves and dwarves and gnomes and pixies and stuff like that. Um, and you can see, so one thing I'll just point out in the stat block is their armor classes too. Their armor class is the best in the game at this point. There is no armor class ever listed better than two, and that represents the equivalent against descending. That's the equivalent of plate and shield. That's the that's the armor that dragons have. That's the armor that vampires have. Right? It doesn't get better than that. Um, and they have four hit dice, and they have top level movement. Um, and then, um, and what what else uh, pops out to you there, Paul? Uh, never in layer, no treasure. Yep, unusual, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could interpret that and say um, there's no point in mercenary player characters hunting them. They never have mm -hmm. any treasures, so there's no incentive to go hunting them um, in that case. And they're, they're clearly, you know, again, ineffable in the wilderness. You can never pin them down. I feel that's a fairly good design choice, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't mind any of that. Only appear, appear in fairly small numbers, of course. And so the thing that you see in the text block, of course, is the very first thing they're going to say about unicorns is leaning into this, you know, medieval sensibility of their relationship to, you know, virgin maiden women. And the very first thing it says is only a maiden in the strictest sense of the term, which is a little bit of a couching what you're trying to say there. So they avoid yeah. the word virgin for what it's worth, but only a maiden in the strictest sense of the term of pure and noble heart may approach the fierce and elusive unicorn. Unicorns may be ridden by maiden warriors and will obey them. Otherwise they avoid human contact unless pressed. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is certainly traditional uh, to the, the mythology of unicorns. Interesting that is presented here in D and D. Uh, how is that ever going to come up, man? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's interesting. I, I, I mean, well, that's interesting. So, the, the, you know, that winds up getting in, you know the interactions I normally see is with NPCs. I get now. Now I never thought about this before, but the you know the the the, the normal interactions I hear about that are with NPCs. I, and again, it's you know it's an honest. Um, Call back to medieval mythology. Um, so I guess if I if I didn't put any more thought into it, it's the most obvious thing to do there. But to me, the surprising thing is the line about maiden warriors. So I'm not. So I don't know of any popular culture thing prior to D and D. You know, I'm, I'm used to seeing like a you know a, a young woman in a gauzy dress, right, riding a unicorn to I don't know go someplace pleasant. I'm not used to this maiden warriors of like wearing armor and and weapons. That's a that's a new twist for me, and it seems that seems like a very that seems a very D and Dism to me. That is very strange. I will say that is very strange, and frankly, like it seems like 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 a callback to the war game roots, right? It seems like uh, well, why the hell would they appear in a war game? Uh, I guess they have maiden warriors riding them. I guess. Right, like it's a, it seems very it's a very strange. Let me make a comparison here. Um, when I was uh, discussing unicorns with with Tanya, um, the other the other creature that came up was um, Pegasi. Right. Okay, this is a pretty easy comparison to make. They're both horses with an extra appendage. 
Um, they're they're both generally seen as good. They have a kind of fey quality. They they assume there's it's assumed that they kind of avoid humans, right? That they're difficult to pin down, right? Uh, unicorns teleport. Um, uh, you know, Pegasi fly. But definitely the presentation in the in the books, Pegasi are almost more presented like a very useful tool, right? They're like a it's the flying car of its age, right? Like great. Yeah. Flying car, that's what I want, right? It's a it's a horse. In some places Perfect. they're on the equipment list. Yeah. It's something yeah. you can just buy. Yeah. Right. For high, for high Whereas price. Unicorns yeah. retain this weird mythological aspect of only interacting with maidens. It somehow puts them in this strange category of how do, how do you even encounter these things? If I rolled a unicorn on a wandering monster encounter table, how am I supposed to play that exactly? Yeah, yeah. It's a mystery. Like it's basically telling <laughs> it's me. An, it's right? an ineffable mystery, Paul. <laughs> right, right. My guess, my gut says, like, okay, your player characters are walking through the elven woodland. You roll on the wandering monster chart, okay, unicorns. And you can tell one of the players, yeah, uh, off in the distance amongst the trees, you think for a moment, you see a unicorn, and it disappears. We're done. <laughs> right? <laughs> Very strange. I will say, so among the, and before we get off this, let me just point, of course, this has, the, the text here has the standard unicorn abilities that we're familiar with. It says uh, unicorns are very magical. They resist magic as if they were an 11th level magic user, which is basically a top level, you know, name wizard here. Uh, they can mm -hmm. automatically sense the approach of any enemies at 24 inches, which is, which is the longest range, you know, missile weapon in the game at this point. Um, and they are able to transport, right, transport both themselves and their riders as if they were using a dimension door spell, which is, you know, slightly lower level teleport up to a full 36 inches distance once per day. Um, uh, and again, that's, you know, the whole, your whole table probably it can, you can do that teleport on. So I'll say, you know, among the other things I found is I grabbed uh, Keith Amon's uh, latest book, right? Uh, and of course, Keith writes, the monsters know what they're doing. And um, he's got an article specifically on unicorns. And in his most recent book, How to Defend Your Lair, he presents there's 16 sample layers, and one of them is specifically a unicorn layer. Um, and that's a layer uh, that's uh, balanced, I guess he says, for ninth or 10th level PCs, possibly in fifth edition. And what he does there is he sets up a specific, you know, woodland that has one single unicorn in it, one single Lord unicorn. Um, and it's called the Unicorn Grove in that book. And the basic idiom there is that this woodland is sanctuary to heroes and help. If you're good and you're noble of heart and you're injured or you need guidance, right? The woodland is, is safe and protective sanctuary for you. But for, the, for evil or woodsmen or people who cut down trees or anyone that sets a fire, even a campfire, it's, it's hostile to you. And uh, when you come in, all of the all the beings in the woodland are lo all loyal servants of the unicorn. So you've got pixies and sprites and centaurs and wolves and other stuff. And you're going to be tracked by all this other stuff. If you if you are someone that they're hostile to, they will fight you. And yeah, the unicorn only appears at the last possible moment. If nothing else works, then the unicorn engages. Or maybe if you're just good, again, there's an just like you're saying, there's an encounter table, you roll a d20, and on a 20, only on a 20, the unicorn shows up. 
And if, and if you're good and in need, the unicorn will actually engage with you. And in any other case, it does exactly what Paul just said. It just disappears and doesn't show up at all. Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's what Keith uses there um, for, for the sample unicorn layer, which I kind of like. I don't mind that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Let me, I'm going to read, let me just, on that point, let me read a couple things from Keith's uh, fifth edition unicorn strategy that I thought that was neat. So what, what Keith writes there about unicorns on his blog, um, he says, like in the voice, starts off in the voice of a player. Are there unicorns in these woods? I want to see a unicorn. Venture mm -hmm. into any idyllic forested setting, and I'm sure you'll hear this request from one of your players. And then, you know, Keith looks at the stats for, you know, closely for the first time, and he says, I'm actually surprised and impressed by how formidable fifth edition unicorns are. Um, they have, you know, they're, they're celestials, actually. They're automatically legendary creatures. They have legendary actions there in fifth edition. Um, Keith recommends that no matter what, no matter what, do not allow your PCs to ever, ever, ever kill a unicorn. Uh, why? Because it makes you a reprobate. And, uh, <laughs> right. and, and the detail that he points out is, 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 is uh, Keith points out in fifth edition, unicorn, their one weakness is their armor class is not very high. Their armor class is wow. actually one of the lowest in the game. And in fifth edition, their AC is 12, which is just barely over an unarmored person. And so that's <laughs> actually something that is completely flipped diametrically of originally they had the highest AC in the game. And in fifth edition, weirdly, now they have about the lowest. Interesting. But other than that, surprisingly powerful. I mean, I'm just looking at the text of the fifth edition. Uh, I got my fifth edition monster manual out here. Yep. Just looking at the text. There's a lot. Got a whole page on unicorns. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, actually, two um, pages, I feel. Two. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because this isn't even yeah. the stat block. This is just text. Look at look at how much text there is. Holy crap. Um, actually, I think I have a stat block as an the, image. If you yeah, there yeah, you go. Got yeah. the stat block. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. But so there's a whole other page to a picture and half a page of stat block, and then there's a yeah, there's a whole page describing them. And I'm, I'm interested to see that it calls out how the horn is used. So this is a this is also common in I think, unicorn mythology that tells us that the unicorn's horn is the focus of its power. Um, wands of unicorn horn channel powerful magic, while unicorn horn weapons strike with divine force. Wizards can work powdered unicorn horn into potent potions and scroll ink. Um, anyway, so it goes on and on about how useful of a magical component unicorn horn is. Which is fascinating to me because I don't, I don't feel like that then ever plugs into the rules in any way. Right? It doesn't tell me what kind of magic items. I, I mean, it's, it, it gives broad strokes about how, how Unicorn Horn could be used for the construction of a magic item, but it doesn't list any specific magic items. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think that that's one of these like open door things. Like if the DM needs a special magic item, you know, yeah. unicorn horn is a great choice. And like I say, in all the modules that I see, it's never the same thing twice. I feel like it's setting me up for this, especially, you know, hot on the heels here of Keith Amon's uh, uh, comment about, about don't let your players kill a unicorn, right? I, I feel like we're, we're setting ourselves up for this scenario where the players, you know, are reparates, uh, uh, as, as <laughs> happens. Uh, they kill it's a unicorn. Kamikaze they're like, said, yeah. Right? And then they have, um, they have, you know, they have this horn, and they were like, hey, "I heard, I heard you can make powerful magic with this horn. Great!" And then you have this thing that probably no one wants to buy, right? It's like super hot, <laughs> very valuable. 
but like really illicit and probably no one wants to buy it from your party. I could also imagine, um, I could also imagine, you know, a, a tough choice of a, you know, somewhat disreputable wizard or something like that. Like, here's the mm. thing you really want. And what I really want is a unicorn horn. You're willing to, you're willing to queue up for yeah. that, boys? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I could imagine that. Not, not every player is going to want to see that in the game, obviously. Are there, um, I'm, I'm going back into my, I'm going back editions here. Is that is the magical nature of the horn ever come up earlier? I feel like no. I mean, certainly I didn't see it in any of the very old school stuff. I agree. Um, I don't think that's ever. I'm not used to that being. Looking quickly here on my third edition, Thank and you. not not seeing anything about that here. Nope. Nope. Do any of the viewers know when the armor class flipped? Like I'm, I'm now. I'm. I didn't have time to look at every single instance of a unicorn. Like I'm, now, I'm curious where the armor flipped from really good to really well, bad. I, I can tell you here in third, so I'm staring at it. That it's AC 18. Sure, uh, seems that's pretty good. pretty good. I mean, actually, that's what you get if you directly convert the original armor class, right? So, so what where it used to be two, if you just subtract that from 20, you get the 18. So I think that that's I think that's a consistent conversion from zero edition. So it nope, must have been sorry. the change must have been after that. There's a comment here in third edition that says a unicorn's horn is renowned for its healing properties. Evil and unscrupulous beings sometimes hunt a unicorn for its horn, which can fetch up to two thousand gold pieces for use in various healing potions and devices. Most good creatures refuse to traffic in such things. There you go. Church is giving us a little more a little more context where fifth edition seems right. to be a little more like eh, you know, right? Eh, you know, it's useful. It's a useful thing. Let's not talk about how actually acquiring it is horrific. It's a useful. You know, I'm looking through the, the, the first edition DM's guide has a list of uh, potion ingredients, like specific, yeah. special, suggested special ingredients for potion. And I, and I assumed that a unicorn horn would be would be in this list. And frequently what they do is like there's there's one thing you could use like if you're evil and use the one thing you could use if you're good sometimes happens. And I expect to see that. I do not see unicorn horns mentioned anywhere in here if i'm missing it the uh, uh kobold horns are mentioned i didn't even know kobolds had horns Co what? yeah of course the kobolds have horns paul how can you not know that i mean i'd forget that myself on a daily basis i think if you look in first edition art i think they usually have horns i think really really yeah yeah that's how i could tell there's goblins on the monster manuals because they don't have horns all right all right um. Now, now I'm gonna look. <laughs> now I gotta, yeah, I look, look at, up. Right, there's that. I gotta flip it, the kobold. Right. Yeah, yeah. Go there's on. a full page of oh, right. There's a there's a giant full page illustration of kobolds in there. Right, Laura Soto agrees with me. Right, the viewers. Yeah, yeah. Does have little horns? Look at that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can use those I'll, in a potion of diminution if you need to. That's what I'm told. I don't really remember kobold horn? Hmm. What do you know? Kobolds have horns. Hmm. Right. Yeah, grind get get some it, grind them up. You know, because of the of course the thing I think of when I think of kobolds is I think that they are dog-like lizard people. And let me tell you, yep, of sure. of all those things, dogs, lizards, and people, none of those things have horns, right? I mean, I'm again, okay, maybe there's a horn. There's probably a horned lizard. There's right? a horned there's lizard. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess that's where it's getting its horns from is from its lizard side. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, where, okay. do, where do we get the idea that they're little dogs? Remind me. 
they, they, they bark, right? Something. I thought I thought that's in the description. Is that not in the description? It's no, I, think, I think that comes from the uh, from the the module B two rumors list. Actually, as they go, oh, in the caves with the little dog men, look for this. But in the caves of the large dog men, look for this. If I recall correctly. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you, well, I'm I'm really I got too many books, Dan. You're making me flip between too many books. But uh, the place I'm going to expect to find it is BX because. Uh, of all the yeah, BX, these small, evil, dog-like men usually live underground. Persons. Oh. oh, okay. Small, evil, dog-like, and I will just show you the picture here because okay. uh, yeah, I'm not. Oh wait, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Not seeing any horns. Okay. <laughs> well, good point. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. But, but anyway. that's an Errol Otis piece, and he's like bonkers out of his head all the time when he's drawing. So. <laughs> There's no telling. There's no telling what Errol would do right there. I mean, it's a great piece. Let me, let me read you the uh, unicorn description in BX because I feel like it is the most delightfully on point, shortest description of a unicorn I've ever seen. It's literally like four sentences long. Uh, a unicorn looks like a slender horse with a horn growing from its forehead. Did any of these other descriptions give me that basic fact that it's a horse with a horn on its forehead? No, none of them did. Uh, a, <laughs> Sentence two. A unicorn is a fierce but shy creature. Okay. Only so. a pure maiden can talk or ride one. Pure is in italics. Classic. So still, still a Again, little mod there. Little not going to use the V word. Not going to use the V word. <laughs> uh, and finally, it can magically teleport itself with a rider to a distance of 360 feet once per day. The end. That's you, all you get about unicorns and BX. That's it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, those rules are great. Honestly, I just those rules are great in so many ways. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I want to make fun of it for how brief, for how little information it gives you. But like, they're very. It's very points like well edited text there, and I love that the right. first sentence is just a physical description of what a unicorn looks right. like. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Cool. Great. And I, I, I appreciate, right, with the, with the earliest editions, the original D&D or, or BX, I really appreciate that they, that, the, you know, the, the sensibility, like, you already know what a freaking unicorn is. We don't have to, you don't, you don't have to pay us money for us to write text to, to you about what a unicorn is. Go look in an encyclopedia or just your own memory bank. You know that. What we need to give you is statistics. We need to give you game rules about how they interact with other monsters in the game. That's what we're going to focus on. Um, and I personally, that's one of the things I really like about original D&D is that you can, you know, here, here's core statistics and you can bring in your outside cultural knowledge and skin them to your taste. Um, but again, you know, not that bit, not super trademarkable. Game rules are not, uh, not copyrightable technically under US copyright law. So we need to add these this D and D skins to them and later later on to make them more um, uh, marketable. Product product productizable. Let me I, um, I want I want to put up the uh, visual aid you got us here, which is the one that jumped out at me the most to make you talk about it a little bit, Dan. Right. Uh, because this seems to me the strangest reference to unicorns in D D that I'm aware of. Uh, so uh, you 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 were you put this picture up and I was like, what is that? A map? What what's going on here? 
And to me, at? you know, honestly, and to me, this is my strongest memory of unicorns in D and D. So I, you know, dig into the uh, the war game stuff all the time. And you know what I'm looking at a lot of time is original D and D swords and spells, which is the mass combat rules specifically for the fantasy types in D and D. And at the back of this book, there are two example army rosters, and there's a couple page example of play. And uh, what you see at the top of this, so here's the initial layout of this example of play. And the top is the good army run by the good wizard. At the bottom is the evil army of orcs and giants and hobgoblins and ogres run by the evil high priest. And you can see what I what I kind of I kind of tinted in blue. The the top centerpiece element of the good army is unicorn cavalry. And mm. in the uh, in the roster there, what they're labeled as is five figures, which represents in D and D fifty unicorns with first level warrior maiden cavalry. And it says riders have armor like a chain and shield with lances. And um, uh, fairly pricey. Uh, it's about, I guess, altogether, it's about one sixteenth the cost of the whole army there. And so the exam. So, the, and you can see they start out hidden in the woods. Mm -hmm. And the the way the gameplay works out is, it, you know, there's a couple turns of, of engagement, and the unicorns just stay hidden there for almost the entire game. And ultimately, the game entirely hinges on the unicorns. On like the second to last turn. With once once the evil forces have gotten in range, the unicorns just teleport to the back end of the commander's bodyguards, charge, instantly slaughter all the bodyguards, and are just about to murder the commander when the commander teleports out of the picture, and that's the game. Okay, spo sorry, spoiler to nineteen seventy five example <laughs> play, but the entire the entire. <laughs> D&D battle example entirely hinges on these 50 unicorn warrior maiden riders. They win the day. And I think that th this sticks so much in my mind because it's it's way more wahoo fantasy than I would expect. Like I'm used to like, yeah. you know, okay, one unicorn, that's special enough. Two, D&D says there'll be one to four, right? And maybe, maybe if you're a maiden of good heart, like one will defend you. But apparently I can just go hire 50. I, I, just, I just go hire a legion of, of, I guess, Amazon unicorn warrior riders. And that's like the main vanguard of my fantasy D&D &D army. That's crazy. And I freaking love it. I love it to death. I've never, I've never gotten over it. Right. And I, 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 I just love this so much that I, I have the unit in my book of war, um, uh, uh, roster. Right. And, yeah. uh, I actually am, I'm still waiting to get You can't find miniatures for this. Like I, I tried looking for Amazon warrior, unicorn rider miniatures and they don't <laughs> exist. So I have to like, you know, uh, ad hoc form them myself. So they're still under construction. But in the last couple of months, uh, uh, Dan Cullen and Gamma Dan has used them, like I say, against me twice. And he used them once against me when I had an army with war elephants. And the second time he used them when I brought like multiple wizards on the table. And Dan brought unicorns and used their teleport ability to, to use them as anti-wizard devices. Right, so my mm. wizards are standing off. I'm casting fireballs. I'm I'm way safe, and all of a sudden, unicorn attack! Right, <laughs> unicorn attack! Right, and there's nothing I can do to avoid it because they can just teleport anywhere. And like I I charge his unicorns to tie them up. Right, and he goes, yep. "Can I just teleport out of this battle on top of your wizard?" And I go, "I I don't see why not." Unicorn attack! Right, and so 
<laughs> right. So they're so they're really they're they're really an interesting unit, and I have links to those two uh, those two stream battles actually in the YouTube description of this show right here. So feel free to go look at how unicorns got used in Book of War, and they are they're game changing, and they're very expensive. And I never I don't think I would have made that up myself, but I love it. That's great. That's, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, I mean, it, it is kind of delightful, but also like inexplicable. You, you know, when, when you were showing this to me, I was like, what? I mean, it explains the whole maiden warrior, whatever. But like, I feel like it's one of those little details that's shoved into D&D, just kind of like, like, oh, yeah, but whatever. By the way, 50 unicorn maiden uh, warriors. And now, now suddenly like, I have to build a shit ton of backstory into my D&D campaign world to explain why there is a legion of unicorn battle maidens. Like, what is this? That's crazy. Right? Right? I'm like, yeah. it's one of the, honestly, it's like this little element that I just really love about D&D. Like, we accept a giant legion of, 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 uh, Amazon maiden warrior riders, and it really, it really captured my imagination. And that's another thing that I've just never gotten over, and I just, I just love it to death. Right, right, yeah. It's weird. It's not what I expected. It's definitely not what I expected. Right, yeah. And then I and have then miniatures why, that haven't why? shown up on the show yet, but I've, I've, I am carefully crafting custom maiden warrior uh, unicorn riders for for the Book of War game. And I want to know then why this doesn't show up in D&D content anywhere. Why don't we have a D&D module where the players may encounter a legion of unicorn battle maidens? I think things got slightly less fantastic over time, right? I mean, at least yeah. like like first edition, you know, people talk about Gygaxian naturalism. And, you know, looking at stuff in first edition where the modules are very careful to have, here's a kitchen, here's a privy, here's where the food is stored, that kind of thing. It, like as a first, second edition, there's a, a little bit more of a naturalism element and not quite so completely bonkers. You know, you're not going to run into Captain America's shield. You're not going to have a flamethrower. Well, some of that stuff really would happen in, you know, pre-first edition adventures. And this, this crazy unicorn warrior legion is it might have been a little bit too much for the sensibility later on weirdly hmm. interesting interesting but i miss it hmm. um look at look through my pile of monster manuals here um we... I agree, so julian is i agree with julian julian is saying i love it and hate it i yeah couldn't agree more yeah it's uh it's weird it's weird right yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's one of those things, I think, again, like, like I said, it, it interestingly kind of implies a lot on your setting. And so you have to decide, does my setting have this or not, right? Do, do I need to eliminate this completely from the game? Or does this, right? Do, does your fantasy world have a lost world plateau in the sky somewhere full of dinosaurs, right? Like, does that exist? Yeah, agreed. Maybe agreed, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah. like the idea of a culture of, you know, I, 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 I hope that this is still acceptable, but I, I am fond of having a culture somewhere of, you know, Amazon women um, who are, you know, very self-actualized and very proactive in the world. 
um, and kind of, you know, follow uh, the example of Athena or Diana or somebody like that. Um, and for them, if they have like a nearby, you know, unicorn herd, it seems like a, it seems like a, a clever move, a clever and smart move to team up with them. I was kind of, I'm, I'm looking through my unicorn entries here because I was kind of curious, Dan, when, um, when the authors of D&D decided that it was not necessary to continually encode uh, uh, their, their unicorn writers as necessarily being virgins. Right, yes. Um, and I think I see it as early as first edition, right? First edition AD&D set tells me that, um, that it can be written by elven and human maids of pure heart and good alignment. Yeah, I, they're, they're right. They're clearly uh, massaging that a little bit. Uh, yep. They yep. still use the word maiden, which itself is sort of code for that. Um, true, true. Um, but they're, they're, well, they're, they're, we they're don't even use it. that in third edition. Third edition still says yep. uh, good human or elven maidens, pure heart. Yep, yep. What is it? So I feel like in fifth edition now, they're just like, you know, good Good characters, good, good, pure heart characters, I think is what it says nowadays. Um, so I think they at least washed the word maiden out. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, I guess, you know, uh, we may not be the best people to, 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 to touch upon this, but I, I must say, when I, when I look at unicorns now, um, in, in original D&D, which is really just expressing the, the medieval idiom, you know, I, a question mark arises for me. Th this myth clearly, you know, um, is hooked very much into a sense of, you know, gender essentialism. Um, apparently, the supernatural world can identify uh, who's a woman and can identify who's a virgin. And, uh, you know, maybe for, uh, for some people now, that is, um, you know, obviously not scientific fact, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe for some players that would be, uh, uh, not so acceptable in the game nowadays. And I'm wondering to myself, I'm wondering how hard can I lean on this classic thousand year myth, or is this, is this less acceptable nowadays? I kind of like having something special for the women in the game, but maybe that itself is problematic nowadays. I mean, that's that sounds like a a question every uh, individual DM must answer for their own playgroup and their own setting. Um, but yeah, as as far as the publication goes, clearly. I, so I was looking at my fifth edition book here to see what it says exactly. It's surprisingly, what I can tell you is it says unicorns allow good-hearted creatures to enter their woods to hunt or gather food. And I'm looking, okay. and then I'm looking and looking for like, well, what about the whole like people who can tame and ride them. And then I get to when darkness and evil threaten to overwhelm the mortal world, the gods sometimes see fit to pair a unicorn mount with a champion. A paladin astride a unicorn is a sign of the gods' direct intervention in the affairs of the mortal realm. Boom. Paladins on unicorns. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> I'll, I'll take one, please. Yeah. Yeah. Take yeah. my money. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like yeah, how it's dope. like no this doesn't this doesn't just happen you know paladins don't just wander yeah. around groves and meet right. strange uh, women in right. ponds distributing unicorns they um <laughs> right no 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 the gods themselves must intervene 
to, okay. uh, you know, it, it, it send forth paladins right. on unicorns. Yeah, that's that, that's a, that's a good idea. I'll will take fifty. Fifty, fifty. Sergeant, please send fifty. I'll take fifty, please. <laughs> what am I, I going to use all this gold for? Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, yeah. You know, I as, uh, so I I should I should I shouldn't I shouldn't lean on this because I'm I'm not the right person for this. But you know, it's it's interesting to me how uh, in in queer culture unicorns have been embraced as a symbol of of queer culture to my limited understanding. And it's funny because I would again I would see you know they have this baked in gender essentialism to them, and yet you know somewhat reinterpreted in re recent decades. Uh, I guess among the things people have pointed out is. Uh, classically, uh, unicorns were considered to be, you know, male all the time, and they were attracted to, you know, maiden women. And kind of in recent years, the the qualities of a unicorn have been reinterpreted to frequently be female. Um, and I guess in some people's mind, this and this is great. I, you know, hopefully this is encouraging the idea that here is a thing in popular culture that can switch gender if we, if we need to has been embraced and people have found support for that and i think that's great uh and not what i personally would have guessed so there's there's an unexpected nice thing in the world <laughs> which is not always how those things go that's great yeah yeah I, and i would assume that's that would be a hot enough topic that uh the the um publishers of dungeons and dragons would do everything they can to avoid it and and remove it and scrub it from the game. That would be my. It's instinct. interesting. I mean, here now, admittedly, we so we missed Unicorn Day, but we do happen to be in June, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we have you know Pride parades happening, uh, you know, this weekend or next weekend or something like that. And you know, I could imagine. Yeah. Okay. Great. And um, uh, uh, so good. And um, uh, you know, I I actually. I could imagine, I could imagine, it's, it's not the most insane thing if Wizards had like a promotion or a, you know, this month that, um, that leaned into that. It's, it's, it could happen, I could imagine. But yeah, in the core Possible. books, uh, maybe, I guess that would surprise me if they baked it in the core books. That, that might be I, a hot button. I'm very curious to see uh, if and when um, core material is republished, right? Assuming that there's a sixth edition coming be very curious to see what wizard's take on the unicorn is agreed agreed yeah. <laughs> <It's>, agreed <laughs> uh, um and uh oh yeah we, we, you just got to put william's uh most thank excellent you. uh quote up there um thank you william uh dan do you have it i don't have uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh here you go i thought you were gonna get there yeah yeah. So William says, no, let's face it. Uh, Watsy would send the Pinkertons to go get unicorn horns. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That seems likely to me. <laughs> that's that's about right. <laughs> uh, Viewers, if yeah. you missed our if you missed our episode on the Pinkertons, uh, look back by about a month and you'll see uh, our episode titled Pinkerton Goons versus D&D &D Fans. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 interestingly, I just happened to just the other day, I just happened to watch the movie 310 to Yuma. It's a Western from about 15 years ago. It's got Russell Crowe. It's got uh, Christian Bale. And one of the characters is a Pinkerton. 
right? And it's, it's sort of, I guess he's sort of middle ground, I guess. He's sort of a good guy and then turns out to be not totally dependable. And the, you know, the Russell Crowe character is calling him a pinker as a, as a slur. Um, so it was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle this apparently good Pinkerton character. But then it came around the other way by the end. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's about right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> I would, I would say maybe even odds on Wizards of the Coast, either being so scared of offending anyone that they yank this content from the game versus just utterly misstepping and doing something just radically wrong and pissing everyone off. I feel like that's both of those things seem in, within the realm of plausibility to me. Of, uh, I have the, the brain cell for wi what wizards do and the brain cell for fingernails on a chalkboard are, are very close. <laughs> and I'm like, like what's wizard, what's Watsy going to do? And I'm like, Oh, I hear it. Oh God. Yeah, that's pretty likely. Um, so we're about out of time, Dan. Any any final oh, thoughts geez. on unicorns? I like that they're in the game. I you know I feel that they're surprisingly they're they're surprisingly core part of D and D. They've always been there. They've been near the top of the monster list that aren't evil. They're in the cover of the first monster manual. Um, I I like that they're in the game, and I I like my swords and spells uh, flavored legion of maiden warrior writers and i they know that's what i made for a thumbnail for this show is i specifically got a, a an illustration of an armored woman on a unicorn and uh it works it, it, it's it's a nice little D, D twist you know my experience of unicorns is a slightly twisted kind of close to horror story type thing um, and if I, if I can have a legion of, of, uh, maiden unicorn warriors in my, uh, my book of war games, I'm totally down with that. And I'm really glad that's an option. I'm very fond of them. I feel I like that's before okay. this conversation happened, I probably would have like, especially given the nature of how they're so rarely written into material and instead just show up on tables. Right, I would probably, if I'd been playing a D and D game where my players were in a forest and I randomly rolled the unicorn, I would be like, oh, I, I don't, what do I, how do I roll this in? And maybe it would, I would just decide it's too challenging and I would skip on it, roll, roll again or something. Um, now, now that we've had this conversation, hell yeah, hell yeah, battalion of unicorn maidens. That's yep, great. They're maybe on their way to go you war know, with if if you're stuck. Evil. Yeah. yeah. If that happens and you have random unicorn encounter next time, maybe just by default, warrior on the back, paladin on the back um, to, to come with the unicorn and uh, and yeah. use that yeah. as your encounter. And uh, now and now I want to twist it. I want to twist it then because the number of peering is going to be something really low, like one to four. So, OK, so you meet one unicorn with a with a warrior maiden on top who is looking for her lost battalion. Have you seen 49 other Unicorn riding uh, warriors in this forest. I'm looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Or wait, 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 wait. Okay, because remember, my players. My there's a particular thing that happened in my games that my players hate, and my players have gotten to the point no. where they say, "Oh, the next time that happens, we are going to murder that person." So here's the thing: random unicorn, random unicorn encounter. Right, knight on the woman knight on the back, and she challenges the players to a joust. Dude. <laughs> 
What are you gonna do then? What are you gonna do <laughs> then, people? Right? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna murder the paladin with the unicorn? I don't think so. I think you're back to jousting. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Dan's found his loophole to get jousting back in yeah. the game. Sorry, there players. There you go. Uh, oh no! <laughs> jousting unicorn uh, maidens. There, it's there's your answer. <laughs> oh goodness, viewers. If you have opinions on unicorns in D&D, other references to unicorns in D&D content that we have missed, or other use cases of uh, unicorns that you want to see in your game, maybe uh, reintroduce the jousting rules. Do unicorn riding uh, battle maidens have a specific abilities within the joust uh, that's different from, from normal jousters? Uh, let us know. Leave, leave us uh, your thoughts here in the comments of the YouTube video, and maybe that'll spin up a commentary for a new show. Yeah, definitely. And of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, TikTok. We do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So look for this there. You'll get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to these shows in audio-only podcast format, you can do so by uh, visiting our website at wanderingdms.com. All of our podcasts are available there. Or you can also find us on various podcast carriers such as uh, Spotify and Stitcher and iTunes and Google Podcast and a bunch of others that I'm not thinking of. If you're listening to the show right now on one of those other uh, podcast carriers and they give you the ability to do so, please rate and review our show there. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And, of course, big thanks to our patrons who support the show. Our patrons are growing all the time. And if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wanderingdams. Every single tier gets you access to our Discord server where the conversations are continuing all the time. And we'll be there in about 10 minutes to continue the after video chat because I know us and a lot of viewers have a lot more thoughts about uh, you know the, the important stuff about unicorns than we could fit in this hour. So we'll be able to mm. both be there today. Is that right, Paul? Indeed, indeed. Hope to see you there. Uh, go Looks pop, if you haven't yet, go pop onto patreon.com slash wandering DMs and uh, drop a dollar in the, in, the, in the bucket and join us for the after chat. We'd love to see you there. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, for um, uh, have, having been corrupted by Valhing and Graveyard in, um, in a pool of radiance. I'll be back trying to uh, trying to finish out uh, the, the, the excellent uh, climax to that uh, old school adventure. And uh, like Paul said, if you didn't see our Book of War game on Thursday uh, with a special guest Christian, that was kind of a real, real treat. Uh, to get someone in from from Warhammer and see what their reaction was to Book of War for the first time. Christian played very well. And look for the links uh, to our prior Book of War games where Gamma Dan was using unicorns, because that was that was some of my favorite favorite uh, uh, games, as a matter of fact. And uh, Paul, don't forget, uh, Paul and I are here live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you.